Hey everybody, it's Eric with Leaning Middle, talking today about my new podcast called Conflict Week. It's a bite-sized look at different conflicts that are underreported happening around the globe. Check us out on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other platform that you use to listen to podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's episode of Leaning Middle. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. So while it's good to talk about serious things, it's just as important and just as American to have some fun. Now, let's have some fun. Welcome back, everybody, to Leaning Middle. My name is Eric. And I'm Brian. And today we're going to be talking about how the siege at the Capitol and insurrection all came to an end, what the uh, closing aspects to the certification of the Electoral College looked like, and then the aftermath of what this is going to look like in both policy and the American psyche at large. We have a lot to dive into, so let's just get right started, uh, get started right at the uh, beginning there, Brian. So they reconvened. After the actual siege of the Capitol, um, you know, what what did you think was going to happen? Do you think did you think they were going to end up finishing the boat that night after everything that played out? I I hoped that they did. And I'm really glad that they did. Um, and I'll be honest, what I was watching, we, we both knew nothing was really going to stop the end result. But what I was watching was, did that event change anybody's mind? And it did. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that was what was very interesting to me. And I, I laid here and, and watched that with uh, with my wife. And when Loeffler got up there and said that she basically was withdrawing her challenge, yeah, I, I got goosebumps. I was like, oh, my gosh, they have they're turning on him. And that's exactly what I saw was she um, knew that she had lost that race. She knew that like, this was the last thing that she could do to make an imprint on history. And I think she chose, right. You know, she said, okay, like I tried, I had to be affiliated with this man, but in the ultimate books of history, she will go down as one of the people that did not endorse his attempt at a full on insurrection. So yeah. it, it's kind of cheap. You know, I kind of feel like it's the same way as like we're seeing people resign the last two weeks of the administration. Like that really makes a difference. But um, well, but it does. I think it makes a negative difference, honestly. It, but, it does. But well, we'll get to that in just a second. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, continue but, with uh, watching well, them, you know, turn down the Arizona objections. Well, and, and what I thought was the the Senate capitalized on the opportunity and that was to come together call out the actions of our president and do what they needed to do to finalize the vote and, yep. and i think a couple of people looked and took took control of the opportunity i thought mcconnell coming out in his statement was dead on i thought yep. schumer did a good job i thought that several of the other senators that stood up and uh, Mitt you know, Romney specifically just Mitt blew me it. away. I mean, he hit the nail on the head, which is, I mean, he said it. 
you guys created this doubt and then you come in as the hero trying to save this crisis that you created and now you want what? You want politicians or people to go out and investigate this voter fraud as if they would listen to the results of that and take them seriously? He said, you know what would help them? If you just told them the truth. If you just stopped the charade that we all know is a charade and tell them the truth. Yep. It was one yep. of the most secure elections in the history of the United States. Well, and I thought he was probably the biggest winner out of it because what that moment did for him was it, it cleared his name of all the the attacks from Donald Trump and Donald Trump's followers and the other Republicans when he stood on an island by himself and called all of this out. Yeah. And so to me, that that was a, a big moment for Mitt. I, I think a couple of the people that lost two really big ones um, is Ted Cruz. And yeah. I think Josh Hawley lost the moment as well as a book deal. Josh Hawley is scary. He, he is. He reminds me of Patrick Bateman. He reminds me of David Miscavige. He reminds me of Hitler. It is like. It's the weird thing when you're confronted with a situation where the normal, empathetic, obvious thing that you need to do is to just take a step back and say, yeah, I miscalculated. That was wrong. You know, I shouldn't have done that. I didn't understand that, you know, my actions were actually giving credence to this idea, even if I didn't intend it that way. But instead, he doubled and then tripled down on it and then tried to play the victim in it all. Mm -hmm. And I was just I was like, this is crazy. Like he really can't see outside of his own failed plans, because you know what presidential candidates do when they want to run for president? They have a book deal because the book deal lets them go on all the talk shows and all the press events and get their name out there and their exposure level up before they formally announce and that all just got ripped away from Holly. He also, his political um, mentors have come out and said that he's a disgrace and it's their biggest regret ever working with him or endorsing him. He's seen, he's gone from rising star person who could potentially be running for president of the United States in 2024 to somebody who very likely is to lose reelection. <laughs> he's, he's a political piranha now. Yep. And that so wrong. Yep. You and always got a bet on the house. The other person that I think missed the moment uh, is Tommy Tuberville. You know, and, yep. and he, he he's only been in, in politics for like two days, literally. But the thing about it is anybody who has watched Tommy Tuberville coach football, and, and we've got a, a close-up view because he coached your alma mater and, and one of my hometown teams. We knew from day one that he didn't know how to read a field. Yeah, and exactly. So, so I'm not too surprised that, that he didn't back off on, on Trump, but he's kind of I, I think he's gone down too far down a road already that he won't be able to come back from. But the only uh, good thing that he has in his back pocket is the fact that he is represented by Alabama. So it is a lower threshold for greatness to put it <laughs> true accurate accurately, to be honest. So listen, there's there only, is 
there's only room for one great man in Alabama and, and Saban's got that locked up right now. Yeah, true. Exactly. <laughs> Wait, governor Saban, that will happen. <laughs> exactly. So I thought, and the other interesting thing to me is they reconvened is, you know, and I'd heard it before, but I never witnessed it before. And we watch these speeches on C-SPAN, like I mentioned before, but seeing the difference between the Senate debating and the House debating, it, I did not feel like the House was very... <laughs> You really start to, yeah. You really start to understand that becoming a House of Representative member is—it's not hard in some locations around the country, um, as we witnessed by the individuals who were representing some of their uh, areas. It, it was the Senate is is just more competitive. You know, normally people are in the House for several years before they try to move over and become a senator you know senator is where you get to before you try to become president things like that is it's just one step in the political hierarchy that weeds out a significant amount of people yeah um from the house jumping into the senate so yeah that i think did shock a lot of people i wasn't surprised having worked um and met you know many different house of representative members over the past year and yeah some of them are just idiots yeah. Just, like put it bluntly, you know, are people that are just very ignorant or very, very, very fueled by corporate interests and have only been elected because of the amount of money they've been given. And they don't really have any idea what they're actually talking about. Yep. So a couple interesting things that, that caught my attention as uh, all of this was happening is um, one thing we neglected to, to bring up in the last episode was the fact that. Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, as uh-huh. as everything was going on and the Congress was locked down in their chambers and, and, and everything else, he was calling people. He was calling senators trying to flip votes. Rudy Giuliani was calling people trying to specifically Senator Tuberville telling him to delay, delay, delay. He said to object with the House on every single one, if possible, so they can get more votes together. Luckily, Tommy didn't do that in the end and did not sign on to the Senate. He just would he just voted nay. But still, it is unbelievable that that was the first thing that they do was, wait, let's politically leverage this. Yeah. The other one that was interesting to me, and I'm a little forgiving on this one, is uh, Ted Cruz sent out a text message during all of this uh, asking for fundraising um, donations. Now, from a marketing standpoint, I know that that's a platform and that it's scheduled. And But to me, that's a mistake that somebody let that go out at that, that exact moment. I was going to say, I don't feel bad for him. You know, it's like it, you got to when you're doing politics, especially messing around with something as dangerous as that. Every single bullet that you're putting into the chamber makes that game of Russian roulette that much harder. Yeah. And Ted Cruz, he blew his brains out. You know, yep. he just he stacked it too hard. So he tried to ride this wave of Donald Trump into being the fan favorite of 2024, which again confuses me because 
Ted Cruz could never win numbers like Donald Trump right. ever. So it's just, it's weird that that he really thinks he's a viable choice, but well, let's talk about Ted. There's Cruz. arrogance. What, what, mm-hmm. what do you think the fallout for Ted Cruz is going to be? Minimal. Think so? Because he's going to limp back to Texas and, uh, you know, at the end of the day, he knows his constituency. He knows there's a great, there's still likely a majority of Texans would try to elect him. It would probably be pretty close if the election was tomorrow against somebody else. But yeah. that being said, he knows that he conducted himself in a way that his base, you know, desired him to. He might not, you know, I think his presidential election hopes have been stamped out. I could see him actually running in 2024 and becoming the nominee just from lack of competition, viable <laughs> options. Yeah, exactly. Viable options and him just getting smashed um, by somebody. But you just don't know. You know, there's so many different things that could play out. What happens if Biden doesn't run for a second term and Kamala goes up and tries to run for president and the exact same thing that happened to Hillary happens to her, yeah. you know, and America proves to be more sexist than anything else yeah. and votes for, you know, somebody just based off of shallow facts and things. So you, you don't know what that could happen, but I'd say he'll land on his feet. I think he's going to be under a lot of pressure, but I I think there's going to be so much more attention and focus on Hawley that's going to make it easier for him to hide a little bit from the national headlines. I think so. I think Hawley's just not as experienced as Ted to be able to duck out of the way. Yeah, so, exactly. The other thing that, that happened while all of this was, was uh, taking place was the suspension of Donald Trump's, President Donald Trump, sorry, um, Twitter yeah. account, Facebook account, YouTube, Instagram, I think I got them all. Uh, TikTok, TikTok, Pinterest, Pornhub, you know, they <laughs> bricked his phone. He had nothing, nothing is ever going to uh, feature anything about Donald Trump ever again. But yes, he effectively got virtually 25th amended, amendmented. Yeah, and so I think this is, you know, transitioning us into to what comes next for him is – uh, you know, when a when you're the president of the United States and you get your social media or your methods of communication locked down, it really well, kind of makes you start thinking 25th Amendment and impeachment. And that's I think that's where we are right now. What worries me, too, is like everybody, you know, we could we'll dive into more about the the Twitter banning and, you know, matter of free speech, but everybody's kind of saying like, oh, you know, they took away his ability to communicate with the public. I'm just scratching my head. And it's like he like he has a press secretary. He can hold a press conference at any time. He can just like release statements to the press at any time. Like they didn't castrate his ability to talk to the public. He's just throwing a fit and choosing not to because he can't tweet. Yeah. Well, that's what is just funny to me is like other presidents before Donald Trump would never, ever try to communicate with the country about something that severe on Twitter before having a live address. It's just just cracks me up. Well, he didn't really lose that much. He put himself in this position by making a private company his preferred form of communication. Yeah, I guess he didn't read terms of an agreement. 
Well, and, and here's the, the thing. I mean, you saw the difference between presidential behavior and our president. And, and Very much so. And I think that, you know, I think it's going to do a lot to calm the situation down. Unfortunately, I think the situation is going to get much more dire before he even has before President-elect uh, Biden even has a chance to bring the temperature of the room down. But agreed, agreed. Yeah, we're caught in a spiral here. Who knows the, what it's going to look like? The the thing that I'm hearing is that the impeachment um, movement is picking up speed and moving very quickly, and that Pence has yeah. kept the 25th on the table and in his pocket. I think it's interesting with the 25th is what you're seeing is Betsy DeVos. Uh, I forget Choi. her name, but it's – yeah, Choi. Thank you. I was going to say Mitch McConnell's wife, the Secretary uh-huh. of Transportation. Um, they both resigned, and that seems not so much as to say, like, I'm getting out of here because that was messed up as much as I'm getting out of I here. I had to make a vote on the 25th. I'm, exactly. Exactly. So that's why it's like people are jumping away well, and – and, you and know. here's the interesting thing about it. There is a legal conversation taking place right now on if the acting secretaries have the right to vote on that or not. And yeah. so that's because they were never confirmed exactly. by the Senate. And so I, it's almost like a preemptive movement. Now, I asked you this question and I really liked I, what you told me. And, and that was, you know, Donald Trump right up until a certain moment was writing this rhetoric was just it was all in and then all of a sudden he just stopped and changed his tune and put out a video and basically conceded didn't actually concede but basically conceded what was that moment that changed him and who finally broke through and got him to listen so it sounds like we do know when that moment was, is initially, you know, as he was watching this on TV, he was happy, he was laughing, he was, again, not understanding the severity of it, or maybe he was full scale, who he, knows, but while he, he was, was taking, I, I'm going to jump in there, I've I heard this, while yeah. he was watching it on TV, he was mad that other people in the White House weren't as happy as he was. Exactly. He didn't really understand that that wasn't something to celebrate. So then as that um, advances and things start to just get worse and worse and worse, he starts to notice, like you said, other people are just like, this isn't good. And it sounds like it's the White House attorney, Pat Cipollone, who stepped in and said, I guess you don't quite understand this but you're not legally shielded from this you're also not legally shielded from several other things in your presidency your executive privilege runs out in two weeks and you are just an ordinary citizen that can be prosecuted for all of this that's you know it was it was the realization that the news was talking about the 25th amendment he realized that i am He's, he's screwed, you know, and he realized that he needs to step back and regroup and retreat. And that's what he's going to attempt to do. He's going to attempt to step down, step back, fly out on January 19th and never come back. And in a couple months, he's going to rise like a phoenix and try to push forward for 2024. Yeah. 
And that's why I think the impeachment rulings are so important, personally. See, okay. Because in my opinion, he shouldn't be allowed to run for public office right. ever again. Well, okay. My so opinion, here's where you and I kind of differ a little bit on opinion. And, and I believe that, yes, his Twitter account needed to be suspended. And I believe that his Twitter account needs to be taken away. His, his means, his whole soul existence. But I felt like the timing was wrong. And, and I don't mean that from a, from the way that sounded. Okay. That's after I heard that, that sounded bad. Um, I mean that from a, he actually stepped back. And in my opinion, he, he did what he was asked to do by Twitter. Now, some people say that when he did that last tweet, um, and that last tweet was remind me. He said, I will not be attending the, um, and I will not be attending the inauguration. I will not be in DC. So he made a declaration that he won't be in the Capitol during the inauguration. So to me, what I heard there was, Hey, listen, I, this is bad. I need to step away. I'm, I'm not, I won't be there. I think that's unpresidential mm-hmm. and I think that's wrong. You lost man up, stand up there, do what you're supposed to do and then fly out the way you're supposed to fly out. Don't run beforehand. But I didn't see it as a rallying cry. And so to me, it looked like Twitter shut him down indefinitely, even after he complied to what they asked him to do. But just because you didn't interpret it, you having known you, man, three Uh or four years now, I have to say I've never known you as to be like a paramilitary type. Right. Which is the which is the catch twenty two of it is even if you didn't interpret that as okay, this is this means you know I'm going to be clear of the area you should attack, which I don't think any sane person would ever think of that. But the fact of the matter is, intelligence and just both the social media companies have found that even just that statement came immediately with all of his followers saying. This is an all go. This is a clear, like this is a clear signal. We need to move forward. And he said, you know, okay, now whether we like it or not, his tweets are inspiring attacks during the inauguration. Like we've lost control. Yeah. Now I, I agree in that standpoint. If, if there are movements and and people are talking and, and they're coordinating again, then yeah, everything needs to be shut down. And, and here's the thing I, I had, one of my very close people that I talked to, big ardent supporter of everything right, is, you know, doing the whole, this is the liberal left wanting to control uh, what we think. This is the beginning of socialism. Um, big tech is is too big. They're controlling our voices now. And if, if you don't, if they don't like what you're going to say, they're going to flag you. They're going to shut you down. If they can do it to the president, they can do it to the average Joe so I, I get that aspect of it. If if there is coordinating taking place that I did not see, then yes, they need to be shut down. And, and what I brought up to this person was, why is it okay for, for um, all of this to take place? And you're upset about the president getting shut down. But what about all the radicalization from ISIS and, and from, um, you know, different... 
fringe radicals, why is that any different than this? <clears throat> Excuse me. Exactly. So, That's what's funny is like if if you're upset about being censored, then you can go to a different platform and make your own site. But the issue is, is it's not about censorship. Like it's about one lying and B. Well, I did <laughs> that was like a B, home alone one, moment. Right there. Um, <laughs> I know, honestly. And then there's two, which is they keep planning violent attacks. Yeah. So it's like, there's always a hierarchy where they're like, Oh, well, Google and Apple are removing parlor. And it's like, that what just happened at the Capitol was entirely planned on Parler and not caught by Parler's moderation yeah. team. Well, like that, that that's why it's being taken down. Like, I'm sorry, it has nothing to do with the fact that you want to talk about, you know, vaccine mandates or masks. It's because the the, the app's doing a terrible job monitoring it for insurrection activities or violent extremists. Well, it's it's just its it, own it is. and and I think that this brings up a whole different conversation um, that that we will definitely go down. But one of the things that that you have to look at is who who's at fault. I mean, Twitter is a privately owned company, so they can take down whoever they want, and everybody's all upset because they took down yeah. Donald Trump, President Donald Trump. I got to for the next couple of days. I got to remember to say president there. They they are yeah. um, upset that they took him down. They have been taking people down from day one and flagging people from day one. Why yeah. why is this any different? Because it's the leader of our our free democracy, and that's why that's why it's an issue. Now the second thing that that uh, is cause for alarm is the algorithms. I literally went on Twitter the other day and tried to find right wing tweets about what was going on and I couldn't find them but I am surely fed the algorithm feeds me what I want to see or what it thinks I want to see and it sends you further and further down rabbit holes I don't think it's a failure you know my wife and I had this debate this morning is it a failure of big tech because the big tech got too big I think it's a failure of artificial intelligence and the algorithms and I think that I think it's just unfortunate. I think it's just simple demographics, and to be perfectly honest. Okay. Why, why is that? I think that's just what it comes down to. Because they, typically, I mean, the younger you go, I would say under 30 or under 45 is considerably more liberal than over 45. And the vast majority of those under 45 are much more digitally native and online and using social media more than those who are older. So social media and the internet in general is a more liberal place. Okay, I understand what you're saying, but if you look at those videos, some of the most some of the most aggressive uh, protesters during that whole movement were young people. So I, I think there's if you're going to go that route and say younger people lean more more liberal, I think there's a lot more that are conservative as well that are trying to find their, their I think way. it's a law, law of large numbers, law of large numbers there. You know, you have your crowd who's staging, going to a protest that was, you know, tens of thousands of people, but we're talking about billions on the internet right. in terms of like just liberal ideology since the internet is global but too. My, and my, the 
developed countries are well and, but, but yeah, my point ahead. to that is you had this this group that they if you looked at their feeds you would see feeds that are are similar to theirs and, and everything else i couldn't find those that's what that was what was a little mm-hmm. frustrating to me was i was going in and purposely trying to find some far right feeds to to jump into and i was having a hard time finding them or, or maybe the problem is I it, didn't think maybe I'm a farther right than, than I thought. And, and it didn't seem that far right to me, but. Yeah. But what you do is you just go into the pundits, you know, you just search a name of somebody that, you know, you might know as somebody who's a little bit on the more extreme side of the spectrum, even just start like not extreme and like Ben Shapiro and go to tweets and replies and then just kind of like look down and see who's he's interacting with. And then you find hashtags and kind of, it is possible to find it all. It's just, it is um, never going to be programmed in a place where it's easy to find because, you know, Twitter's going to act like, well, if we show him that he's, it's going to piss him off that he saw it. So he's not, he's going to scroll by it. He's not going to interact with it, which means he'll be on the app less and, then, well, we can go down the social <laughs> dilemma another time. Yeah. So where do we go from here? I think my biggest thing taking a step forward is we need to set some sort of precedent by impeaching him. I'm not even in – I would like to see him uh, actually go through with the full trial to make sure he doesn't get a pension and he's not allowed to run for office again. But I'd be fine with just the symbolic – oath of kind of impeaching him to set precedent that like hey you know that time that there was an insurrection at the capitol we didn't yeah. do nothing well, do you think that um, and, and i agree fully with you on the impeachment my concern is doing the the impeachment so quickly rushing it through and then also um the timing of it well while temperatures are so hot right now I think that, um, you know, if you, you pull that trigger and you impeach him right now, which obviously he needs to be impeached, uh, I think it might just incite that whole crowd even more. And, and they might they haven't had a, t- a chance to take a breath yet. Yeah, no, there is there's real potential for that. But I think it's also, yeah, like take him down, like take them down while they're down, you know, don't let them regroup and continue this. It's like, just get him yeah. out of power. Like it's so easy like to take these steps, but everybody wants to pussyfoot around because they're scared of offending like a, their base or, you know, the, the people who stormed the Capitol when it's come down to a point where he knowingly or not knowingly just organized a coup. Oh, the he absolutely. That's the best knew. I can give him is knowing yeah, and it's like even if he didn't think it was going to turn as hectic as it did, that doesn't clear him by any means. So it is. It, it's hard and it's it's terrible. But I just I just keep thinking back to you know the idea where if somebody told me that like the Trump presidency would end with like a violent attack on the Capitol and a global pandemic and the economy in worse shape than it's been in decades. I just would have believed them and said, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's exactly I what you, I think is going to happen. I love the, the uh, did you put that picture of the comparison of day one and today, uh, the end of his president, was that on Facebook yeah. or was that on Twitter? Instagram? That was on Instagram. I had put that on that my, was yeah, absolutely, on my story there. 
dead on. I mean, and you, we've been talking about it and heading down this this path. And here's what's interesting to me is watching a lot of people who were supporters and um, backers try to backpedal now. You know, yeah, that's, that's yeah. been interesting to to watch. There's there's a lot of a uh, lot of people eating crow right now. I know, and it's irritating, but it's also like, all right, well, at least like you know, you know so, when to quit. So you and I both kind of agree that we don't think it's over yet. There's there's a second wave of this coming, but unfortunately, we just don't know when or or how bad it's going to be. There's different dates. It might be the 17th. It might be the 20th on Inauguration Day. They just need to understand that the same mistake isn't going to be ha- like happen again on Inauguration Day because like the Secret Service is in charge of that. Yeah. You know, it's a whole different level of protection yeah. and planning. I, I would be I am. Let's put it this way. I will be holding my breath until the 21st. Yeah. As so, uh, as will I, until that hand is on the Bible, I, it will, I will be, be stressful. Holding my breath until after he is secured into the West Wing. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, any other big surprises or any other um, big issues that that we may have missed while trying to encompass all of this craziness in into two episodes? Uh, I mean, you know, we can touch quickly on just kind of the house debate on pennsylvania which was very chaotic and very silly um being from pennsylvania myself i saw a lot of the representation from where i grew up um stand up and give some great speeches and completely just object to them trying to not certify the election which was really cool to see um and then it just was funny that like it was a bunch of people from texas who continually objected to it and they all said the exact same thing about the lawsuit being uh about the law that they put into place being unconstitutional and like it was funny because the general response to them was just like you guys aren't even addressing to why the lawsuit was thrown out they're like yeah it might be unconstitutional but like the lawsuit doesn't stick because you did it after the election and there was like a full election. There was a full primary that happened and nobody yeah. had an issue with. So unfortunately, you didn't object to anything. So that's what worried me a little bit in the House, which was like just watching my local congressman make a fool out of himself by saying like these things where it's just like, I don't know if he just chose to say the wrong thing in hopes nobody would check him on it or if he truly didn't understand why the lawsuit was thrown out and like that's the person i have representing me in congress it's that's that's the stark contrast when you talk about the house of representatives is there's sometimes people in there who really don't have the best interest in mind of their you know populations and they're controlled by uh corporate interests or donors at to a much higher degree because it's uh Easier to get away with smaller populations. I, I agree. So it was. I was a little shocked at how many Pennsylvania representatives stood up and and objected. That, that was. It didn't seem right to, to me, but. 
Pennsylvania <laughs> is a weird place. It is it, it is very intensely liberal in the suburbs of Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, which are the population centers of the state. And then right in the middle of the state, too, it's called the Happy Valley, where uh-huh. Penn State's located. And just that university alone makes up an enormous Democratic stronghold there as well. And then every other county, basically, in the state is... I think Scranton might be blue or Wilkes-Barre, but beyond that, it is all red. So it usually wins national races um, for Democrats. We have a Democratic governor, uh, one Democratic senator, and um, one Republican senator whose his seat is looking to be taken over by Democrats fairly easily in 2022, pending any disasters. But the flip side of that is all the little local municipalities that vote commonly vote republican so it's it's not it's it's not a straight ticket state ever and that's what confuses a lot of people is they think like wow this state's cannibalizing itself when in reality the state legislature is very conservative and the national representative representation of the state is very liberal so there's always infighting there's always bickering and bitching and whining and moaning but i will say the old adage proved to be correct, which is in Pennsylvania, you going from west to east, you have Pittsburgh, Alabama, and Philadelphia. Well, it, it's, uh, you know, that whole area kind of makes up a lot of uh, a lot of different demographics. And I think that's what's interesting is right now, everybody feels like their voice is a little bit louder and, and, uh, you know, I, I think mm-hmm. Pennsylvania got a lot of scrutiny, a lot of scrutiny. Georgia got a lot of scrutiny. At the end of the day, I'm really surprised that during this whole House um, argument and everything that it was focused more on Pennsylvania than Georgia. But but it is I know. what it is and it's over. So um, biggest surprise of all of these events. say Lindsey Graham's speech that I feel like he was drunk doing on the Senate floor after he came out and was striding around sounding like Foghorn Leghorn um, being just real long Southern drawl and just yelling, yelling at Josh Hawley. (laughs) It was, it was a sight to be seen. I enjoyed it thoroughly, but um, it was definitely, it it was. And he, I think he, Still is kind of writing that, but not near as much as he was. But um, I, I was shocked by that as well. Um, I, I'll tell you what. One of the biggest takeaways for me on this whole thing is the amount of shock that the country is in right now. And, you know, you yeah. and I have kind of – we've been following this. But I think that for a lot of people, the average person, they don't understand everything that goes on in government. And – they're really not supposed to. Yeah. You're supposed to go about your daily life and understand the gists of everything that goes on. But that's why you elect people. January 6th is never a day that anybody should think about as right. an important day in their right. mind. You know, that was a procedural <laughs> thing that shouldn't have happened. But now everybody yeah. will always And remember. so I think there's a lot of people that um, these last several months have, have really got people fired up and, 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 and inflamed in anger, passion, defense mechanisms, everything else, 
And I think right now people are really kind of going, Oh my God, I didn't, I didn't think that was going to happen. What do we do now? Where do we go from here? And I think that's where there's a lot of people just unwilling to commit to any thought process right now when it comes to political conversation. No. And so I think I'm kind of waiting to see when these people are going to wake up and what they're going to, where they're going to go from here. I think you're going to see a lot of people shrink right back down into, I'm just going to stay out of it. Like I don't want to get involved in any of that. I don't want to, I don't want to have arguments. I don't want to, I, you know, I believed all of this stuff and now I look awful because of what he did. And so, and I can't remember any time in government when I've been more scared of our own government than, than right now. So I agree, but that's, that's what I've got. So two very long episodes next time. We'll, we'll keep it short. I promise. Um, at, at least that's what I'm putting in there now. I reserve the right to change that when we get into the next episode. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> Always. Yeah, I'll let you take us out. Perfect. Well, yes, again, thank you everybody for tuning in to this episode while we broke down the aftermath of the Capitol siege and the insurrection. Um, make sure to like, rate, subscribe, follow, do everything you possibly can for us on social media, which is at leaning underscore middle, and uh, also on all the platforms that you listen to this podcast on. Uh, it's time that you know it's time to explore that common ground in the middle between the left and the right. So we look forward to doing that on the next yes. episode with and, everybody. And one PS Bye for on now. that, and, and one quick question for you: Are you going to do a episode on Conflict Week about all of this? Yes, I am absolutely. It's going. I've been already Good. recording the segments for it. There's going to be. It's going to be a. Good deal. Everybody tune in to Conflict Week, wherever you get your podcasts. Eric breaks down conflicts across the globe, not just domestically, and gives quick takes on different aspects of each conflict and breaks them down for you. Very, very great, good podcast. Listen to it if you get a chance.